Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. This morning we're going to look at a, a prayerful life. Who of you enjoys prayer? It's not, it's not that uh, um, uh, enjoyable kind of topic or an exciting topic uh, these days in churches if we talk about prayer. Um, because we, we like more to talk about um, healing or prosperity or about um, destiny and things like that. Present company excluded. You guys are all excited to talk about prayer. I can see on your faces. Um, no, I'm just joking. But it's, a, it's important to understand what prayer looks about, what a prayer life is supposed to look, look like from the Word of God and from Scripture. So we're going to look at that this morning. But just as a means to, uh, uh, as an introduction, um, it's important to understand with this series, how it fits into the series is really understanding that a life of praise is a life filled with prayer. It's a life filled with prayer. Not prayer that is neglecting because this is often what a lot of people fall into, a camp of I'm, I'm going to be a prayer warrior and that's all that I'm going to do. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for the rest of the body of Christ to go out and minister the gospel. I'm not called to minister the gospel. There's nowhere in the Bible that you can find a scripture that says that a believer is not called to minister the gospel. And they're only called to pray. Nowhere you can find a reference like that. So... If you've just seen yourself as a prayer warrior and you're praying in your closet or you're praying in your room or wherever you're praying and you don't have to go out and, and be the ambassador that God has called you to be in the workplace, in your family and all over, then this morning's message is for you and you're going to be blessed and encouraged by what we're going to look at. So it's not about neglecting our responsibility to share the gospel of salvation. So this morning we're going to look at prayer that shows a man or woman knowing the heart of God and praying for his will to be done here on earth. That is what prayer is about. A man or woman knowing the nature of God and praying from that place, praying for the will of God to come to be on earth, heaven on earth. Prayer is taking our authority and from that place speaking forth that which should be. And there's relationship with God as well that is included in prayer and we look at that as well. We're going to look at prayer that brings about transformation in us and through us. Because you get a lot of people that are praying. And they will tell you how much they pray. Which is, a, like, which is strange in and of itself. That's a big question mark of people telling you how much they're praying. Um, because that's boastful, right? That's why there's a reference. Pray in your closet. Don't go out standing on the street corners praying. So people can hear your fancy prayers. Or when you're in, 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 in settings and meetings and... And I know there's none of you is uh, falling into this camp. The, the, this concept of you come together and you, you've got life group or you're in a setting where you're a few people praying together. And then all of a sudden, the way someone speaks is different to how they're praying. Like uh, any of you have been in a, in a, in a meeting where the, the way someone speaks is now different. Like they, they start praying King James. <laughs> Lord thou holy and mighty God and it's like the, the voice gets deep it's as if like there's a, like been a, a manifestation of sorts um, now I'm just joking but it's important to understand like our, our, our prayer should be so part of our natures and our identities and what we believe about ourselves and God that it doesn't look different when I'm speaking and when I'm praying it's the same thing and so uh, it's some of those things that we need to really uproot when it comes to prayer and then the other thing with, with regards to transformation, prayer that brings about transformation, if our prayers aren't bringing transformation in our lives, again, we're missing something. And so there's a vital component of transformation that we're missing out on. And we see this in a lot of people that are these so-called uh, prayer warriors, that they're praying and they're praying and they're praying, but their lives aren't changing. And there's something amiss there. And that's not God's heart for us. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Prayer needs to be filtered through the message of the gospel. And a lot of people's prayers aren't filtered through the message of the gospel. Prayer needs to be filtered through the message of the gospel because the message of the gospel is why we are here today. The message of the gospel is God's desire for the world. 
Jesus. Him coming to save us, redeem us, make us right with God, to enter into relationship with Him and enjoy that. So our prayers and how we pray needs to be filtered through the message of the gospel. Everything in life needs to be filtered through the message of the gospel. How you do business, how you do your marriage, how you raise your children. Everything needs to filter through the message of the gospel. If it doesn't, you're going to sit with problems. So 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. We're going to look at just a quickly, just recapping and just laying this, this foundation and creating this backdrop of, of this, uh, this message that we're getting into on prayer. Just looking at simplifying what is the gospel. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. Who will all men to be saved and to come unto a knowledge of the truth. So this is God's desire. This is God's plan for all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is a, um, a key verse that you would have heard through the last uh, year or two even at, at Grace Life. Where this is God's design. This is God's perfect will. For all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. That does not mean that all men are saved. But it is God's will for all men to be saved. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we've got a, a responsibility, those who are enjoying salvation, to help others also experience salvation. And a big part of that comes through prayer. And so this is God's will for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So how much of our prayers are linked to this verse? For all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. How much of your prayers are directed for soul winning? For the people in your life to experience salvation? How much of your prayers are linked to people experiencing more of a knowledge of the truth? John 3 verse 16 to 17 um, if you don't know this passage of scripture off by heart just yet, then I uh, I invite you to meditate on this and really plant this in your heart. So we're going to look at verse 16 and 17. We had a great time at Life Group this past week uh, looking at verse 17. And I'd really bless someone again seeing the link because we often uh, just read verse 17 in isolation. So it says here from the Passion Translation, For years the way God loved the world, He gave His only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in Him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send His Son into the world to judge and to condemn the world, but to be its Savior and rescue it. So again, if we look at this, this is God's plan. This was His, His plan with Jesus for the world to experience salvation, to not perish, to not cease to exist, but to experience everlasting life. What is everlasting life? Everlasting life is more than just going to heaven. Everlasting life is experiencing freedom here on earth. The word I had for Kyle, uh, the, 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 the opening of prison doors is linked to sharing the gospel with people. Linked to pointing people to Christ. Because that's the only way that someone is going to experience freedom. John 8 verse 32 says that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That truth is talking about Christ. The reality of Jesus. What he came to do for us. And it's only through that that we can experience freedom. Through hearing the gospel. Through experiencing the message of Jesus. God did not send, this is a very important aspect and linked to the gospel. God did not send Jesus into the world to judge and condemn the world. But to be its savior and to rescue it. Because ultimately people are condemned already. We see this in the word. They're already experiencing emptiness, purpose. Listeners, um, they, they're experiencing darkness, they're experiencing bondage, and a lot of them don't even know it, but you see it in their lives. You hear about it when Hollywood actors and actresses are taking their lives, like left, right, and center. And even within the body of Christ, unfortunately, people are taking their lives. Why? Because of a distorted message of Jesus. Making Christianity something it was never intended to be. Making the gospel something that was never intended to be. So it's important to see that God came to save the world. God made a way for the world to experience salvation, which is relationship with God. Living through that intimacy with Him. Jesus is our Savior. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we find a lot of the message and the, the ministry that God has invited us to hear. And we're looking at these things because remember I said now prayer needs to be filtered. Your prayers need to be filtered through the message of the gospel. If it's not, 
I want to ask you, what are you busy with? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And uh, we'll look at there's a time and place to pray for, for certain things in your life. Um, trusting God for certain things. But too often, most of our prayers are just about me and what I want. Again, present company excluded. I know none of you are like that. It's important to be challenged with what the Word's instructing us and what the Gospel is and how our prayers are fitting into the Gospel. Oftentimes we want to take the Word of God and make it fit into our lives. We don't want our lives to fit into the Word of God. Amen or oh me. We want to take Scriptures and we want to, we want to distort the Word because we self-centered. I'm saying we in a general sense. If the shoe fits, put it on. Allow the Spirit to minister to you. If I'm stepping on your toes, I'll pray for healing as well. Um, and let's mature in the things that God has got for us because your life will be better off as you're maturing in your identity as a son of God. That's something to be excited about. If you're maturing, your life is going to be better. If you're maturing, the people around you's lives are going to be better. Your marriages will look better. Your friendships will look better. Your children will be healthier. You'll be a greater employee to your employer. You'll be a greater employer to your employees. Your relationship with God and your maturity as a child of God will affect everything of your life. So let's get excited about this. Let's pursue this. Pursue maturity. And maturity is going to, most of the times, come in the form of a challenge. I know that doesn't excite you because we don't like being challenged. We want to just do our own thing and don't be told how to do things. We want to just think that we're always right. We're never off. I'm challenged on a weekly basis through the Word, especially through my wife. She's very challenging. <laughs> She's awesome. Um, she doesn't challenge me that much, but she does, does challenge me. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, from the King James, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The New Living says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. Now, this past week when uh, I prepared this, um, I saw something new from verse 17 specifically. So we often see verse 17 in light of the, the, the new nature, the new birth. And I believe it's very much talking about that on new identities, becoming new creatures, new creations through the Spirit of God. Our old nature has been crucified with Christ. It, it's no longer life and we've received the new nature. Say new nature with me. New nature. You don't have two natures. You don't have a split personality. You've got one nature. The more you come to see your new nature and come to know who God has created you to be, the more it will affect the way you're living out. We're not going to get into that. It's a message on its own if we don't understand this, 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 this concept that we are now the righteousness of God. We've become new beings. We've got a new identity, new DNA. That's holy. It's blameless. You've become a saint. That's the Word of God. The Word of God calls us saints. Holy ones. Why? Not because of what you do or don't do, but because of what you believe. That's very important. Christianity is not about what you do or don't do. Religious Christianity is about what you do and what you don't do. The Christianity that Jesus came to bring about and usher in for us, which was God's design from the beginning of time, is belief. Faith in God. Abraham. He was called a friend of God because he had faith in God. Not because he did X, Y, and Z. But something new that I saw just in this, uh, this, this week in verse 17. From the New Living Translation. Saying the old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is really God's design for us. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. A lot of Christians don't experience a new life. Because they're not growing in understanding. That's why... In Timothy, where it says that God's will is for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, a lot of people are experiencing salvation in a very limited sense, but they're not growing in the knowledge of the truth. 
So they're not experiencing new life. They're not experiencing new purpose. They're not experiencing new direction. They're still going about their old way. I've received Christ. I've responded to to Jesus' love for me and this gift of salvation. And then they leave it there. They're not plugged into a healthy community where they're growing, where they're rubbing shoulders with one another. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says that uh, um, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friends. So iron sharpening is vitally important for your life, for maturity. We also see the word encouraging us to provoke one another. Provoke one another unto love and good works. So if you're not in a healthy community and you're not being provoked... I'm not talking about provoking in the sense of like you're stuck in traffic and the the guy's pushing in front of you and he's provoking you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about provoking unto love and good works. That love and good works is kingdom works. It's salvation. It's people growing in the knowledge of the truth. We need to provoke one another, poke one another, nudge one another, put 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 a pebble in someone's shoes. Let them feel like that uncomfortable likeness when they're walking. That's what the word is inviting us to. And so that is very healthy and essential for us to experience this, this new life. To let go of the old life. To be challenged when you're saying one thing and you're saying like this is, I believe God has called me to X, Y, and Z. And then you go strong for a week, two weeks, and then you just like, you go back to your old ways. Then you need that brother or sister in Christ to say like, hey Sean, like uh, you expressed this to me, like, what happened? Like, what's changed? And you're like, oh no, like this happened or that. And you're like, okay, awesome. Let's pray. Let's, let's, let's get back on track because this is what God has called you to. It's not in a condemning way. It's not in an I'm better than you way. It's like, man, you've got potential. God is calling you to more. Let's, let's continue on this journey. Let's deal with whatever is distracting you. Let's pray into this matter. And so a lot of our prayers needs to be linked into and aligned with the gospel, the the, the mission and the vision that God has for the world. Verse 18 to 21 says, And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What ministry has he given you? Reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation. So oftentimes we, we look at what the word says, but we also need to look at what the word isn't saying. The word isn't listing a whole bunch of ministries here, guys. He's giving us one ministry. Ministry of reconciliation. What is that? Let's continue reading. To witness that what God was in Christ. So that he's, he's, he's explaining and giving us an idea of what the gospel is about. God was in Christ, in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. What are we seeing here? John 3 verse 17. This is amazing. Throughout the word we're seeing the, 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 the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. Then we see the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles. And all of them are linked into one another. The New Testament writers, the Epistles specifically, and which is what we're reading now, a letter of Paul is using the words of Jesus in John chapter 3 and he's referencing it here for us. Again, everything is linked to one another. The Gospel is linked from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. We just need to open up our eyes and see it. To witness that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses again unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he has made him to be sin for us in unison, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Verse 11, oh, <laughs> I don't know what, what wanted to come out of my word, mouth there. Verse 19 and 20 says from the good word, In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And he has given us the message of restored relationships to tell others. Therefore, we are Christ's representatives. And through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited with God. This is amazing. Even if you just look at verse 19 quickly from the good word. and We have to ask ourselves this question continually as we're getting into the word. How is my life lining up with these truths? How much am I experiencing these truths in my life? Because God wants you to experience these truths in your life. God wants you to experience freedom in your life. But we need to 
healed ourselves and submit ourselves to the word of God. And submission comes with humility. If you don't humble yourselves, God's not going to humble you. I can't humble you. I can humiliate you. That's a different story. But humility is something that you need to choose. Something I need to choose. And it's only through humility that we can truly start experiencing the impact of transformation that the word has got the potential to bring about. Because the word is alive. We see this in Hebrews. The word is alive and is active. There's nothing wrong with the word. It's called the incorruptible seed of God. If something is incorruptible, it cannot be corrupted. It can't change. But our hearts determine, the, 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 the condition of our hearts determine the effect and the impact the word can have in our lives. And oftentimes pride and self-centeredness is hindering the word from having its effect on our lives. Again, none of you are self-centered and prideful, I know. I'm just joking and I'm sarcastic and just to make light of a, a, a hard truth that we need to hear. If we're self-centered and we're prideful, the word can't have the effect in our lives that it wants to have in our lives. One of the things, just a side note, says here, verse 19 from the good word, he didn't hold people's faults against them. And he's given us a message of restored relationships to tell others. If God is not holding people's faults against them, why are we? Because you created in God's image. You created a child of God. And unfortunately, oftentimes the apple has fallen way far from the tree. We want the apple to look like it's fallen close to the tree. Amen. We want to represent the nature of God. And if we want to represent the nature of God, it's going to link not holding people's faults against them. Now, I'm not saying that when people are doing wrong and hurting and abusing you that you shouldn't speak up. But oftentimes we, we're holding grudges and it's affecting us more than it's affecting the other person. And it's actually stealing and robbing us of, of our health. But coming back to this, this ministry of reconciliation, drawing people to God, restored relationship to God, telling people about this relationship and God's desire to enjoy restored relationship. And praying for this. Again, our prayers need to be linked to the message of the gospel. And there are other, other regards of prayer. But this is the most important. Say most important. This is the most important an application for a believer's prayer life. It's praying the perfect will of God. Which is prosperity. For men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. I know this isn't a popular message because all of us want prosperity, I know. It's fun to be prosperous and have a lot of money. There's a lot of people with a lot of money that aren't experiencing satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy and health. There are a lot of people that also has prosperity and they are enjoying those things. Why? Because they first seek the kingdom of God. And those things came just as a, a byproduct. It wasn't the goal. If you seek first the kingdom of God, things will start falling into place. And if it doesn't, guess what? Your life's not going to fall apart. You're not going to look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. You're going to actually walk around the most joyful person on the face of the earth, as Jesus did. Often not having even a roof to, to sleep under. A good word? It's a challenging word. So we need to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves how much of our prayers are in alignment with the Word of God and the will of God. Colossians 1.25-29 says, This is the very reason I've been made a minister by the authority of God, a servant to His body, so that in His detailed plan I would fully equip you with the Word of God. How does fully equipping come? How does equipping come? Maturity? The answer's in the, in the verses, on the screen. Is it too, too far for you guys to read? You can also use your Bible in front of you. The Word of God. Say, Word of God. 
Now, word of God in this context is specifically the gospel. The message of the gospel. Because you find the message of the gospel in the word of God. But you can also go to the word of God and not see the message of the gospel. Right? That's where religion has come to give birth. Where you go to the word and you read scriptures like... If your left hand steals or cut it off and... I don't even like, okay, I can't even properly quote that passage of scripture because um, there's a context to it and it is important, so I'm not dismissing it. But basically, like, we can easily just jump into the word and read something and take it as literal or read it outside of the context of the message of Jesus, the gospel, and we're missing the whole plot. That's what unbelievers are doing. And uh, even a lot of Christians, if you look at Proverbs. How many chapters is in Proverbs? 31. So oftentimes people take a, a, a chapter a day for every... And if that is you, that's fine. I hope you're getting some wisdom from Proverbs. But an unbeliever can also read Proverbs and get wisdom from Proverbs. So are you going to be better than the unbeliever or are you just going to be the same as an unbeliever? I can't determine the answer to that question for you. You determine it for you. The purpose of the Bible is defined by Jesus. Right? We're not going to go there, but in John chapter 5 and in Luke chapter 24, this is beautifully explained to us where Jesus tells his disciples and the, the audience, and he says, and he took them through the scriptures and the writings of Moses and the prophets, and he expounded unto them the purpose of the scriptures, which is Christ, which is Jesus. He pointed them through the scriptures, through the Bible, pointed them to Jesus, the message of the Bible. Jesus is the message of the Bible. So if we go to the Bible for anything other than Jesus, we, we, we're playing with, with, with fire, so to speak. Like it's that, it's that extreme, especially as believers. If we're going to the Bible and we're looking for things that it's not intended to be, we're starting to mess with the, 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 the blueprint of God. And that's why a lot of Christians are depressed. And if you're struggling with depression, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. God loves you in your, your state of depression, in your state of whatever else you're struggling with. But God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to pull you out of that. But the problem, unfortunately, with a lot of uh, uh, believers, a lot of our problems are rooted in a lack of knowledge. Or wrong knowledge. Hosea 4 verse 6 says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you don't know is killing you. What you don't know is, is stealing from you. And so it's important to grow in the word, to grow in the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus. Because through that we are equip, equipped and maturing in the things of God. Verse 26. There's a divine mystery. A secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's been revealed. Say revealed. revealed. Unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. For who to experience? Every believer. Not just for some. Verse 27. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Who does God want to know it? Everyone. Verse 28 and 29. Christ is our message. Who's our message? Christ. Is it really your message? Is Christ really your message? Is he the message of your life? It's a challenging, uh, challenging question, right? Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. Again, what do we see here? Timothy. The writing of Timothy. Or to Timothy. For all men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. If something is, is, is doctrinally important or... or, or it's got merit or it's uh, established. It's going to be established in more than one place in the Bible. There's going to be a, a, a continuation of a truth. And that's what we're seeing here 
in this truth specifically. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. Growing in knowledge of the truth. Salvation. It has become our inspiration and passion and ministry to labor with tireless intensity with His power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being His perfect one in Christ Jesus. Our prayers need to line up with God's will and purpose for our lives. Our prayers need to show that we know God's heart and our prayers need to show that we are His children. What do I mean by that? If you know God's heart, you're going to pray in accordance with God's heart. In uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Oftentimes we take that passage of Scripture and we're like, Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delight myself in God. I'm going to do good works for Him. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. I'm not going to miss a Sunday except for the Sundays that I don't feel like going to church. And um, <laughs> just joking. Um, and I'm going to tithe. I'm going to fast. I'm going to um, come and do set up every once in a while when it's not too cold and dark outside and be here early. Um, that's not what it's talking about. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, that, that word delight, um, the, 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 the root word and the explanation of that word is found in this picture of being pliable, being, being like, a, like, a, like clay. It's like you taking your heart and you're making it clay in God's hands. That's delighting in the Lord. And what happens? He shapes it and He gives you the desires of your heart. He starts forming new desires in your heart. And so it's not talking about the self-centered things that you desire. He's talking about giving over your heart and your desires to Him. And He starts forming and giving birth to new desires. And guess what? The things that you thought you wanted, you no longer want. The things you dreamt about wanting and what the world encouraged you to get, you don't want it anymore. And you start wanting new things by default, naturally, because you're just doing life with them. And so whatever you're struggling with, oftentimes we want to focus on the problem. I want to change these desires. I want to stop this. I want to stop that. Stop it. That is behavior modification. You need to come to God, sit at His feet as Mary did. Allow Him to minister to you. Give over to Him. Open up your heart. And before you know it, You'll start living a different life. You'll start showing that you are God's child. Let's go to Matthew chapter chapter 26. Um, there's a lot more that I wanted to say um, just on, on Colossians chapter, chapter 1. But just one more thought before we go to Matthew 26. It's just understanding that the purpose and the lives that God has called us to and the purpose and the desire that God has got for the world is salvation and people growing in their understanding and their knowledge of who God is and relationship with God. And so our praise, if it, if it doesn't fall into it, if it's not aligned with the message of the Bible, the, the desire that God has, then, then we're missing something. And the world is missing something. And all of us want to see heaven on earth, right? We want to experience more of heaven on earth. Thanks, Bertu. Um, I don't know what you guys want here on earth, but I want to experience heaven on earth. I want to experience more of that on earth. But oftentimes we don't want to do what is necessary for heaven on earth to be manifested. Silly example, we don't uh, preach politics from the pulpit, so I'm not endorsing a specific, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, a party. But oftentimes, like people complaining about the, 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 the ruling governments, right? And then come elections and you don't go and vote. I'm not saying you have to vote. But if you're not voting and you're complaining, then you don't have a, uh, you don't have a right to complain. Because the only way that the structure and the system that we have right now is going to change as if people are voting for the right parties to be in, in reign. 
And so taking that, that analogy to, to the Word and the message that we're looking at, heaven on earth is going to come about through prayer and us stepping into the purpose and the designs that God has got for us. Now if your prayers aren't in alignment with the will of God and the Word of God, then we're not going to see these things come to be the way that God designed them to come to be. So it's going to require our participation. Say participation. Participation. I know it's an un unpopular thing within the body of Christ because for a, a, a big part of the, 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 the church's history, we've put people on pedestals and we're paying people money to do the work of the ministry and we're not seeing that each one of us as a member of the body of Christ a vital member to bring about change, to bring about heaven on earth. And that's an amazing tactic of a devil, right? We're about, say, 50 people in, in, this, in this gathering this morning. If only one of us are, are doing the work of the ministry, how effective are we going to be? That's a horrible percentage of work rate. But if all 50 of us are mobilized, we're going to reach and we're going to have a larger impact, right? And so that is our purpose. And when Paul talks about this equipping, he's talking about getting people to maturity to see who is inside of them and the purpose in the world that God has got through each one of you this morning. Matthew 26, let's go there. We're coming to a close. From the message translation says, When he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, Can't you seek it out with me a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. That's harsh, Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes we need to hear hard truths. Right? And it seems like Jesus, uh, Peter got a lot of the hard truths. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. It's pretty harsh, Jesus. Um, I love this. It says, stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't wander into temptation. Some of you are thinking, man, and there's, so I'm taking this, 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 this phrase and this concept, of, or this concept of wandering into temptation, I'm taking it to a, to a broader application. Think about your life. Oftentimes we want to run away from temptation or we want to sidestep temptation or we want to like, see how close we can come to temptation without falling into temptation. Like all of that, those kind of things. But what does Jesus tell Peter here? Stay alert, be in prayer. What will be the result? Staying away from temptation. Maybe your life is filled with temptations and you buckling under temptations left, right and center because you've got a poor prayer life. This is the word of God. Stay alert, be in prayer. Now I'm saying a poor prayer life, I'm not saying a lack of prayer life for a specific reason. Because in light of what we're looking at this morning, in light of the message of the, go the gospel, um, a healthy prayer life would be in line with the Word of God. So if you've got a healthy prayer life where you're praying the will of God here on earth and your participation and your part in that, making that a reality, guess what? You're not going to be falling into various temptations. I know some of you don't believe me and you, you don't see the, the, the merit of this. Because you haven't tasted it. You haven't tried it. I've seen this. I've experienced this. When I've fallen into a temptation. Guess what my life looked at just before that temptation. Poor prayer. But if I'm engaging in my purpose here on earth. And my calling. And I'm stepping into and walking out the plans and the purpose of God for my life through prayer, through, through sharing the gospel. No problem. No temptation. There's a saying that goes, idle hands 
on the devil's tool. I'll use that, that phrase rather. There's another phrase, uh, another way of saying that as well. Idle hands are the devil's tool. If you're idle in your life and you're not engaging in the things of God that He's called you for, if you're not engaging in prayer the way that God has invited us to, you'll fall into various temptations. Matthew 25 or 26, 53 says, Think things down that I cannot now pray to my Father and He shall pres- presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. So this is Jesus um, and uh, uh, the, the, the night before his crucifixion and he's just making the statement that he can at any moment at any given time call about 12 legions of angels to come and rescue him to come and change and just fight for him now what is 12 legions a legion is 6,000 so 6 times 12 72 now I'm pretty sure a group of just 10 angels would have done the, the, the trick as well. But Jesus is using dramatic emphasis here. And what do I want us to get out of this passage of scripture? Jesus showed us something truly challenging. He could have summoned 72,000 angels but he didn't. Why? We need to ask ourselves why. When we're reading things, we need to ask ourselves why. It's good to ask why. When children ask, why? Why? It's good. It's learning. We've, as Christians, have become numb to asking the question why. Because we think it's wrong. If you've got a question, please come and ask me afterwards. If something didn't make sense, come and ask me. And guess what? I might not have an answer for you. But I'll go and find out. Why did Jesus say this why did he uh, why didn't he call about 12 legions of angels because he wasn't thinking of himself who was he thinking about us you and me so he says he could have prayed this but he didn't so again the challenging thing is how much of our prayers are rooted in what I can get versus praying for other people when you, psychologically speaking, they've done, the, they've done the studies. And a lot of studies are actually, without people knowing it, just backing up the Word of God. And there's a study of, of the psychological effect and the, 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 the mental effect it has on people when they're doing good deeds. When they're doing good things. When we're being a blessing, when we're stepping out. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. There you go. Your study is based on the scripture. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It will affect you psychologically when you start praying for other people. Praying for those who curse you. It will affect you psychologically. It will, it will damper and, 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 and numb and suppress that, that anger you have for that person that is pushed in front of you at the, at the, um, on the N1 or someone who's taken your, your parking at the, at the mall. I bless them in Jesus' name. May they, they, they increase. May their storehouses be full. Versus all of the other things that come out of your mouth. <laughs> it will affect your emotions positively. That's just a silly example. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Acts chapter 4, 31 to 33. And when that prayed... What did they do? Pray. Okay, we're going to see some amazing things coming to, um, to surface here. When they had prayed, the, play, the place was shaken where they assembled together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought... Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Verse 34 to 37 from the message. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. Joseph, called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of comfort, a Levite born in Cyprus, sold the field that he owned, brought the money and made an offering of it to the apostles. Okay, so a lot of things followed them praying. They prayed. 
And the things they f- that followed this prayer is an indication of what they did or didn't pray for. What came as a result of them praying together? Something supernatural. The building shook, the earth shook. And what I'm trying to communicate with that is we should be expecting supernatural when we pray. Now I'm not saying we should be expecting the building to shake or things like that, but we should be expecting something supernatural. Something that goes beyond the natural that we experience in life. Then the filling of the Holy Spirit. What is this filling talking about? It's not talking about they weren't filled and now they were full. It's talking about an overflowing of the Spirit. Because when you're praying, what is also happening when you're engaging in prayer purposefully, intently, something is stirring within you. Something is bubbling forth. And so this is what we're talking about. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a filling that was happening. There was a, a, a stirring that was happening. It wasn't, it's not talking about there was no Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden it was there. What was there was active, being activated. Then what happened? The gospel was shared with boldness. How much of our prayer lives is following the gospel being shared with boldness? Think about that for a moment. How much of your prayer life is followed by the gospel being shared with boldness? It's a simple question. Challenging one though. Then there was a unity that followed this prayer. Then there was family on mission. Not looking at like this is mine. I want to keep it. All of that kind of thinking. Family on mission. Doing life together. Can I help this this person to be... uh, not challenged with X, Y, and Z so they can actually live out their mission, their purpose. Then we see power. And then the last one, there was a submission to the mission. The people where it was needed, where it was applicable, and it wasn't something everyone had to do. They speak about Joseph specifically, Barnabas, yet then who went to Saul, uh, Sally's field and brought it to the apostles and they distributed among them. Um, It wasn't something that the people had to do. It was a response of something. It was something they wanted to do. And then there was a submission to it, to to, to, um, healthy governing within the body, where they brought it to the leaders, that's the apostles, and the apostles then distributed it to the people as they saw needed, or as they saw the need. And so this is beautiful that we see this and all of these things that followed prayer. And we can ask ourselves, how much of these things are following our prayer lives? And we're going to pray together in a moment now as a family. Um, Just want to look at one more scripture. Acts chapter 6 verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to pray and to the ministry of the word. What did they give themselves continually to? Pray. Pray and ministry of the word. Prayer is a healthy component, essential key to us ministering the word. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. When? Every occasion. All times, every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Again, being alert, being in your prayers. That's what Jesus also told Peter. Be alert, be in prayer so you don't fall into various temptations. Uh, prayers for believers everywhere and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. So again, how often should we pray? At all times, on every occasion. And what is praying in the Spirit? It's one of the gifts of the Spirit and... Uh, We'll maybe talk about that a little bit more on another, another occasion. But we see this in the church of Acts when, on the day of uh, Pentecost when they started speaking in tongues. And um, that specific tongues were languages of other people that they could understand. And so that's one of the, the, the blessings of speaking in tongues, that supernatural sign. But then one other thing that I want to bring out here from Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll close with this. Being alert and persistent. What were they being alert and persistent in their prayers for? For themselves, for all believers everywhere. everywhere. So it was not about self. It was again about believers everywhere. And believers to walk out, to to, to grow up in their maturity, to grow up in their identity in God, because that will be advancing God's kingdom. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to close with prayer. And I want to invite you uh, in this this time of prayer. We're just going to...
just spend some time in prayer, maybe about five minutes of just praying and just, just trusting God and hearing from Him. And I want us to be expectant. Like, this is what I want us to get out of this time of prayer specifically. In Acts chapter 4, we saw a few things following their, their prayer time together. And so we're going to pray together. And the things that we listed here and that we drew out from this is there was a supernatural manifestation. And that could be various things this morning. Maybe God just gives you a, a sign, a prophetic word for someone in this meeting. Maybe uh, God wants to give you a prophetic word for yourself. Uh, a word of direction. So let's be expectant. They, they experienced the supernatural. There was a, a, a stirring of the gift of the Spirit, which led to overflow. There is a gospel being shared with boldness. Unity, greater unity among the people. So maybe you're experiencing a disunity within yourself, within someone that did something to you within the body, someone that offended you in the church. Let's allow in this time of prayer that that will be pushed aside. Uh, we can experience a greater unity. Then, greater family on mission. In whatever way that God is leading you to, to experience that or to show that, let's be expectant of greater family on mission. And then, greater empowering, greater manifestation of power in your life and through your life. And then, a greater sense of submission. And submission is a powerful thing. It's something that you can't be forced to do. It's something, again, like humility that you choose to enter into. And if you think that submission is beneath you, think about Jesus. Philippians chapter, chapter 2 says that Jesus did not cling to his, 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 uh, uh, his position in, in God and what he had in heaven. He didn't hold on to that as something to, 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 to be uh, valued more than his mission here on earth. And he let go of that. He, he let go of that to come to earth. He was submitted to God. You submitted to the plan of God and the vision of God. And so if Jesus could do it, you can too. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.